Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee. This is the Autosport Podcast. Well, Autosport's chief editor, Kevin Turner, loves a good list. And so welcome to part two of our new podcast series out every Thursday, which will make fellow list lovers hopefully equally as happy as the smile it puts on Kev's face. Just like the first show last week, which counted down the top 10 Ferrari drivers, and I won't give it away, I won't tell you what the list was in case you want to go listen to that show later, you will no doubt have an opinion on this show again today. We are talking about the top 10 Red Bull drivers over the years. And compared to the other teams we're going to feature on this mini-series, the youngest team on this series. Kevin Turner is joined by our Grand Prix editor, Alex Kalinorkis, and our F1 reporter, Luke Smith. Hey, before we start, a big thanks to today's Autosport podcast sponsor, BetterHelp Online Therapy. And we talk about them on the show because we need to remove the stigmas around mental health. Many people think therapy is for so-called crazy people, but therapy doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means you need to recognise that all humans have emotions. We need to learn to control them, not to avoid them. Look at the amount of mind coaches that Formula One drivers have these days, equal to their physical coaches. And, you know, we've been taught over the years that mental health 
shouldn't be part of normal life, but that's wrong. We take care of our bodies. F1 drivers take care of their bodies in the gym. Uh, with the doctors, with nutritionists, and so they need to focus on our minds just as much. Now, BetterHelp is customized online therapy. They offer video, phone, and live chat sessions with a therapist. So you haven't got to see anyone on camera if you don't want to, or you can. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Go and give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. Because you're an Autosport podcast listener, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com. Go to betterhelp.com slash autosports. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash autosports. Right, let's get on with the podcast now, and here are the top 10 Red Bull drivers. Welcome to our latest episode, which is also the latest in a new mini-series we're running for the podcast. It's a series of debates and discussion around the ranking of the top drivers from some of Formula One's most famous teams. This time, we're discussing something of an F1 newcomer, but nevertheless one of the most successful in the championship's history. It's Red Bull. But before we dive into our top 10 ranking of Red Bull's F1 racers, let's ask the person whose constant list writing is the inspiration for this series to go over how he puts some rankings together. It's Autosport's chief editor, Kevin Turner. Now, many of you will have heard this in our previous uh, previous episode, ranking the 10 best Ferrari drivers. But for any new listeners or those who missed the last one, Kev, please tell us more. Yep, so it's taken each, each of the big six F1 teams, of which I think it's remarkable actually Red Bull's got itself into that list given it's much younger than the others. It's uh, 75 World Championship wins. And it's going to overtake Lotus, I think, uh, unless they produce a terrible car in 2022, which I don't think we think will happen. Um, so, yeah, they had to be on the list, even though they're much younger. But, yeah, so it's all the drivers uh, that are driven for those teams, and it's what they've achieved at the team, um, both in terms of wins and what they've done with the machinery at their disposal, because obviously that changes over time, how they've contributed to building those teams or, or, or detracting from them, if, uh, you know, if, if that's been the case at various points in history. Um, and obviously for this one, because Red Bull is young and there actually aren't that many drivers that have driven for the, the A team, if you like, we've also included the Torosso and Alfa, Alfa Tori drivers. Uh, and I think it's worth pointing out, actually, that Red Bull have contributed an incredible amount to, to junior driving programmes. I kind of consider them to be the modern equivalent of the Philip Morris Marlborough situation. I bet, I bet if you went through this and looked at the number of drivers that Red Bull has either had on its programme or assisted over the years, it would be really quite impressive now. But for this, we're focusing on the Red Bull drivers in F1 and that those drivers have driven for one of the Red Bull teams. We better introduce a second guest for this podcast. Uh, it's what well F1 reporter Luke Smith. Luke, are you ready to disagree? Maybe shout at Kev, who, bearing in mind, is your boss yeah, about his rankings? I don't, oh, I don't can... worry about that, but I, Luke's not the sort of person that shouts, so I'm sure he'll put a constructive, I elegant... I don't know, I've seen him do Have you? Oh, OK, bring it on then. He shouts less than I do, but he, he does have it in him. I'm talking normally, so... No, um, well, I did say to Kev just before we started, uh, came into the room to record the podcast that, uh, yeah, I, was, I said, are you ready for me to, and I'm not going to do any spoilers, but there was one that I've already seen that I'm a bit like, oh, I'm not sure I agree with that. So, uh, yeah, but uh, no, I think it's good to look back on sort of Red Bull's history, even though it's only been, what, sort of 16, 17 years since they joined the grid. And as Kev said, just the huge contribution that they've made to uh, to motorsport. I mean, it's what, a third of the current F1 grid has come through Red Bull's ranks and there's some sort of affiliation to them which is uh yeah massively impressive so uh yeah definitely looking forward to getting into it i think uh the number one ranking that was always going to be uh i think probably between two guys as we'll get on to and that's uh yeah going to be very interesting but uh yeah a good little sort of uh, look back on uh, all they've done well hopefully it's another nice fun way of looking at these things obviously we're looking we're looking at the same sort of teams a lot of the time and the last year we did the, the cars so it seemed fair to to do the drivers and, and look at some of the stories around them 
Absolutely. Well, let's get into the top 10 ranking. Now, just to, just to explain again, for each entry, Kev, you're going to explain why, which driver is in which slot. And then, Luke, you're going to examine Kev's sort of logic and reasoning and explanations of why he's put them in certain places. Uh, then, although plenty of them will come up as we go through the list, we'll assess the drivers that didn't quite make the cut. A uh, little bit harder with Red Bull because there's just fewer options to choose from. And Alpha Tower in Toro Rosso as well, of course. Well, let's get stuck in at number 10. And it's Alexander Albon, who drove, of course, uh, made his F1 debut with Toro Rosso at the start of 2019. Halfway through that season, moved across Red Bull competed in the 2020 season before he was dropped for Sergio Perez coming in in his place last season uh, he did uh, 38 races in Formula 1 12 at Toro Rosso 26 with Red Bull obviously he's coming back with Williams in 2022 no wins for the team no titles for the team bit tricky to do that considering Red Bull didn't have uh, have, the, have the car capable of challenging to the title uh, during the, uh, the time he was with that team but Kev why is Albon at number 10? Yeah 10 is always one of the hard spots on all these lists because by definition you're deciding who's who's 11th and not mm. therefore in it and I think in this case it was probably it was probably between uh, Albon and Sebastian Buemi it's easy to get coloured though with Buemi because of what he's done subsequently that isn't Red Bull obviously Formula E champion Weck, Le Mans you know in terms of motorsport on a whole of course he's had a bigger impact than, than Albon you know you can, can argue that but in terms of what they did in F1 um, Buemi never made the all-sport top 50 while he was in F1 with Toro Rosso. So I think that, that you normally, as a really outstanding midfield runner, does get into our top 50, right? So I know that's just one criteria. But also, if you look at Albon's situation, um, you know, he one minute he was a Formula E driver, then he was thrown in at Toro Rosso when the Daniel Ricciardo domino effect happened. Uh, and then he, he was thrust into the Red Bull main A team. Now, you might say, well, he was disappointing, but he, I think he was better in the races than Pierre Gasly was. Um and actually, if you look at the points he scored compared to Max Verstappen, he p- compares quite favourably to Sergio Perez last year. Okay, he didn't, he wasn't perhaps up at the front enough, but then of course the car wasn't as competitive then. So actually, I think Albon did, considering his lack of experience, I think he did a really good job or, or a, so- a solid job. And it's you know it's good that he's got an opportunity to come back to F1 and see if he can have another go at it. He's a little bit inconsistent, so that's the thing that he's got to iron out. But the reason that he, the other reason he got it over Boehm is ultimately the Red Bull Junior Program is to get someone into the A team. Boehme didn't make it and Albon did. Yes, it's circumstances, but that is a fact. Yeah, it's a key point there with Boehme not being promoted to the Red Bull team. But I also think it's worth considering Albon's complete lack of experience when he turned up in F1 in 2019. Kevin said he was, he was one minute he was a Formula E driver. He never even got that far because of the contractual wrangling that uh, came out between uh, Nissan Edams and, um, and then the, the whole Red Bull scheme. But he was then... He, the first time he drives an F1 car is in that test yeah. at the start of 2019 I think that's a point that he's quite keen to make when it comes to his F1 return in 2022 is actually no I've, I know what it takes whereas then I was still learning and even while he was still learning he earns the promotion to Red Bull halfway through the season as Pierre Gasly was uh, was underwhelming but Luke do you think that therefore that's enough justification to keep him ahead of uh, Sebastian Boemi or even Jaime Algashwari who you also uh, mentioned potentially Kev could have taken the number 10 spot No totally and I think that even if you just look at the performances for the sister team themselves Albon for me stands out a lot more than Boemi or, or Algashwari did I mean I mean Honestly, for Sebastian Buemi, the most memorable thing I think of his time in F1 is the uh, China when the wheels blew off his car. Like, there weren't any... And he still steered. Yeah. He did, yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> Just, it's instilled in them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's instinct. But there weren't any, I don't know, there weren't any performances. But like even with Albon, I mean, in, um, I think it was China, I want to say, we had a crash in FP3. And I think then 
had to miss qualifying, I believe. And then he was able to really charge back up the order and he put in a really, really good display. And uh, yeah, although I think there, there were some weekends where you were, as Kev said, a little bit of inconsistency. He was, yeah, I thought he was he was very good with, with Toro. So he earned that promotion to Red Bull after um, the decision to obviously drop uh, Pierre Gasly back to Toro Rosso. And then, yeah, I mean, okay, he was in, yeah, probably the, the, the second quickest car on the grid. So he was always going to be um, competitive. But I mean, the fact is, I mean, with Albon as well, we could quite easily be talking about him as a potential Grand Prix winner. I mean, obviously, we had the, the incident in um, in Austria in um, 2020 when he got um, uh, clipped by by Lewis Hamilton when the tyre strategy was working towards him. Uh, you think of Interlagos as well in 2019. Again, he was looking set for that first podium. And again, it was Lewis Hamilton who, who made contact with him. Um, so, yeah, so I think that although he probably hasn't done enough with Red Bull to justify being any further up the order, um, I think that, uh, yeah, I think definitely ahead of uh, Bohemian and Al-Gashwari. I think P10 is probably a good spot for him and I'm just really excited to see what he can do back on the grid I think it's going to be really interesting uh, we know how difficult that rebel was to drive through 2020 so I think to see him uh, yeah with Williams and a chance to reset I think that's going to be really cool so uh, yeah very pleased to see him on this list I do think it would have been bit of a disgrace had he won that first race in 2020 bearing in mind it was the safety car that got him into consideration how far ahead the Mercedes W11 was of the Red Bull but nevertheless he's still he's still uh, you know can only close circumstances in front of you but let's move on to number nine Kev you've got Daniel Kvyat at number nine f- uh, for this list this is going to take a little bit of the, the team years is going to be slightly complicated for me to explain because of, of oh, all the Red Bull <laughs> of all the Red Bull Toro Rosso Alpha Tauri drivers he has been shuffled up and down more than any of them uh, 2014 makes his F1 debut of Toro Rosso Immediately promoted the following season when Sebastian Vettel uh, leaves for Ferrari. Carries on into 2016 before Max Verstappen is thrust into the Red Bull limelight. Kvyat is, is, the, is you know, his, his expense that Verstappen gets his big break. 2016, rest of 2016 and 2017, he spends at Toro Rosso. But again, you know, it all, there's Brendan Hartley and everything goes back into the frame. Pierre Gasly's on the rise as well. 2019 and 20 at Toro Rosso and Alpha Tauri. But that all adds up to make 110 Red Bull races in inverted commas 89 for Toro Rosso slash Alfa Tauri 21 for the Red Bull senior squad no wins and of course no titles but why is Kvyat at number 9 why is he not potentially lower oh he's very hard to rate because he's so inconsistent and I think he's one of those drivers that let his head head go down after he was demoted um, from from Red Bull and Max Verstappen promoted um, you know Toro Rosso he wasn't he wasn't really at the races and he got completely thumped by someone else that's higher up this list. Um, but it's hard to overlook him completely because uh, Red Bull aren't known for being overly generous and hanging around if you're not delivering. And the fact that they've effectively given him three different opportunities, you think they must see something. And I think he's a classic case of flashes of, oh, that was good, but he just can't unlock it. His head goes down too easily, etc., etc. So, But he's, he's in there partly for longevity of being on the programme, but also he's the th- third highest scorer in the Alfatori Toro Rosso history of those teams. And the other two drivers are higher up on the list. So he, he he's kind of got to be there, but I can't see any reason to, to push him any higher, really. Luke, happy with Kvyat and nine? I think that's fair. Yeah, I think it's perhaps close between him and Albon for, for, for ninth and tenth, I would say. But I think, no, that's a, I think that's a fair assessment for him. And uh, yeah, he's kind of one of these drivers who I think 
got his chance with Red Bull really too soon because it was just a case of yeah the circumstances with Vettel leaving and surprising you could them. say that for both of them actually yeah, yeah. it's true yeah it is it's, it is very true there are similarities there and um, I think even by the end of 2017 I want to say I think he'd never finished a race for Toro Rosso any higher than ninth and yeah I'd already had these starts for Red Bull and everything and and I think that as you said like when he got demoted for that sort of 18 months where he was back at Toro Rosso before they let him go um, for the, the the first time from Toro Rosso he was um, yeah he wasn't the same like his head had clearly gone like he wasn't in a good place and he really did struggle but then when he came back in 2019 he was he was really solid and consistent I think through 20 yeah his performances were really really good I think Imola stands out as one of the one of the really really strong performances I think he finished fourth I want to say and was uh, yeah sort of in the hunt for for a podium so it's um yeah I think that he he again just maybe just didn't have the right timing maybe didn't take advantage of the opportunities that fully came his way but uh, I think that he's he's been a he was a really solid driver obviously now working with um, Alpine as their reserve and, and sort of helping with development and stuff and I think he's a, a really good asset for them there and uh, yeah kind of one of these drivers that you do wonder sort of how uh, how might things have panned out a little bit differently but uh, no I think yeah good to see him on this list as well because he has contributed a lot and uh, obviously the famous torpedo moment with uh, Sebastian Vettel in China all, all those years ago as well which I think was quite funny um but yeah he's uh he's definitely contributed a lot kev would you like to know that luke and i have both raced daniel kivyat no oh yeah guess who won oh please tell me that he beat you yeah i think he was past oh, me yeah, before i got yeah. off the grid like as in like the end like i was way <laughs> yeah. behind the back <laughs> he's straight past me there we go anyway, but, then, yeah. but then he got um blacked flag i think on the penultimate lap obviously to bring him out of the race so I was, I was driving along and then saw Fernando Alonso sort of over the pit gantry like with this um, pit board and a black flag for number 26 to get Kvyat out of the race obviously he didn't win for good but uh, yeah he was I mean just just on another level to everyone was, else yeah. and thanks to Alpine for organising that very fun event ahead of the uh, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix also- when of course we were working hard on the top 50 mm, and everything yeah, in yeah. the last season first I'm hearing about this <laughs> can we also get on record Alex out of the two of us who qualified and finished further ahead as well please you did Luke yes. thank you <laughs> Yeah, it turns out I'm not a very fast racing driver. Who, who would have thought? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anyway, let's move on to number eight. And I'm interested about why this driver is at number eight, Kev, especially considering who's coming at number seven. Should I reveal them together? Maybe that would be helpful. Or have I just gone, uh, it depends gone whether maverick. Luke would prefer seven I and six together. I think seven and six okay, together. Seven, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, okay, well, let's I just go, we... go in at number eight then. Six is also fascinating. Anyway. Number eight, Sergio Perez. Only uh, one season so far with Red Bull. Only joined the team, of course, at the start of 2021. So that means 22 races. Did win in Baku, which was sort of a, an inherited win, but also a nearly lost one because the car was on the verge of, uh, of, uh, of um, um, not, not, not being able to make the finish with a hydraulic problem. So, Kev, why is Sergio Perez at number eight on this list? Oh, I keep flitting between thinking I've been generous here or really harsh. And I think that kind of sums up his season at the first season alongside Max Verstappen really like, I was disappointed he wasn't closer I thought he would be closer than uh, Gasly and Albon had been but not as close as Danny Ricciardo because I think he's actually you know proper mega whereas Perez I think he's a very good midfield driver if you see what I mean coming into it so I think he perhaps had the right attitude of I am the number two 
So I think he slotted into that relationship with Verstappen better than the younger drivers in that role. He's got more experience and understanding of what he needs to do to fit in. Obviously, he had some great wheel-to-wheel moments. He showed Max Verstappen how you actually race against Lewis Hamilton in the Abu Dhabi finale. And in in Turkey as well. And in Turkey, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And there were races such as the French Grand Prix where he did the role that their number two driver at Red Bull currently needs to do, which is to give them strategy options or to to prevent Mercedes strategy options. So that was good. But for me, he was also too far off. I've been doing a bit of analysis on number two drivers over the years. And a good number two normally scores between 55 and 79% of their team leader. Perez was on 48 last year. Like, it's not good enough. Like He's in the Fisichella, Renault, Alonso zone at the moment, uh, which was which was Renault could get away with with Alonso, but when you've got Lewis Hamilton and either Valtteri Bottas or George Russell at Mercedes, you, you need a stronger number two. So he did win the race, that, that race. He took the opportunity. He did play his part at times during the season, but for me, he hasn't yet been convincing as a Red Bull driver. I'm also factoring in though the RB16B is obviously a difficult car to drive. Max Verstappen likes a car that he can rotate uh, and have a very loose rear end. He can cope with that in a way that people like Lewis and Nigel Mansell and Mark Schumacher can, and that's difficult for other drivers. So I think the new rules reset, that presumably will go. I don't think that philosophy will carry over. And I I would expect to see Perez closer to Max Verstappen this year. And if he isn't, I don't think he'll be there in 2023. Yeah, I think that's very fair, and I think where you've put him on this list, I think is I think it's it's pretty fair because if we're looking at sort of longevity and the overall contribution to what Rebel has achieved, I think that yeah, Checo obviously, I mean, he did help Max win the championship. Max doesn't win the championship without Checo's incredible defence in Abu Dhabi. But contra, contra to that, though, you could also say that he doesn't score enough points for Red for Bull the constructors. For the constructors, yeah, no, totally, totally, does, so yeah. It, it, Exactly. That's what I mean. I can't yeah, decide yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's very, it's very true. Right yeah, I think you've hit a good medium there. But um, yeah, and I think that throughout the season, he was always saying, look, it's going to take me time to get up to speed. I'm maybe not fully comfortable with this car philosophy because it's so different to what I've driven before. He even said himself, like, as a driver, you underestimate when you change teams, like just how big a difference it is from uh, sort of the car philosophy, but also the power unit as well, because he had that with uh, Honda in the in uh, through last season. So he, um, yeah, I think that it took him time. And I think, yeah, we would have liked to have seen him be a bit closer. I think that we did see sort of flashes of brilliance, obviously Azerbaijan. I mean, that whole weekend, like he was, he was looking pretty strong and he was so disappointed after qualifying. Uh, he was only seventh and he was like... I really had the pace like to be up there today but then we saw in the race like he was he was genuinely fantastic like even I mean they were on for a, a comfortable one two um before Max's blowout so he was up there he'd done his job as a number two driver um towards the end of the season I mean Mexico obviously such great home support for him as well and uh, that again was a really solid solid performance so I think that yeah Checo I think it's a good spot for him I think that this year is going to be make or break. I think it is very important. He is a step closer. I think Chaco himself would accept that as well because he's always said the rule reset next year. That's my chance, really. Um, so I think that this, if we were to do this list in, say, another 12 months, by then I think you'd want to see Chaco a little bit higher up by this and have contributed perhaps, yeah, more wins, a championship through the constructors or whatever. But um, yeah, I think uh, this is a, a very fair spot, Kev. Unlike number seven. Ooh. Let's come on to that in a moment, because I just wanted to ask you about, it's interesting considering doing this podcast compared to the Ferrari podcast that, uh, that went out earlier, we had Matt Q on. Um, because Red Bull's such a younger team, especially compared to Ferrari, it's just not had, there's not, you can't sort of make the comparisons in the same way in terms of drivers that have had a lasting impact at teams or built up in certain ways. But you think about the Constructors' Championship in 2021 and Max Verstappen winning the Drivers' Championship. I think Red Bull were incredibly 
relieved and happy to have him win the drivers' championship for what he says on the slowing down lap when he says, "Let's do it for the next. Let's do this for the next fifteen years." That's got to be Red Bull's number one priority because if it loses Max Verstappen, what has it got? Well, you know, he's got right. an excellent race operation. They produce very good cars, but they've lost a superstar and they've not been able to find another one. So it's funny, isn't it? Thinking about how much of an impact Perez had on uh, Verstappen winning the title in that one race. So therefore, you know what I mean? Do you think that may have elevated him in Red Bull's mind a little bit more than some of the other drivers? I think he might have bought him some extra time. I think I think that and... Uh, not and not even necessarily because we have had quite a debate about whether it the amount of time he saved actually made the crucial difference, and it kind of boils down to how much time you think they'd have lost behind the safety gate. It's quite it's quite nip and tuck, and it just made it hard for Mercedes in a high pressure exactly, situation. Yeah. That's so, what was key. Um, but it's just it's the nature of the way he put up a fight. You know, I think that the criticism against Bottas at Mercedes is that he is a better overall number two. But when it comes to wheel to wheel stuff, like the number of times he fell out the way of Verstappen doing this, in fact. The best defence I can remember him doing to a front runner all year was when he held Lewis up in space. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah. Whereas think- Perez like turns it on at those moments, and that by I think that's bought him a bit of time over overall level of performance that hasn't quite been there. Yeah, definitely. I think I mean Sochi is the one that stands out when both Bottas and Verstappen had those uh, penalties, and it was Bottas starting ahead of Verstappen. So basically, he was going to be the blockade. He was going to keep Max back, and, and he simply didn't. Like he didn't do that job. Uh, whereas yeah, Perez did when he had to do. Um, I think we mentioned Turkey earlier as well. I mean that was some really really bold defence against Lewis, and I think uh, yeah we've again seen glimpses, and I'm ex- I'm excited to see what Checo can do this year but it is just a case of like who's on the rise who might be there to take that seat in the future because it is a top team and yeah you've really got to take advantage and uh, seize the moment when you're in that position well let's move on to numbers seven and six because we'll, we'll do those together so you guys can have a nice argument about them i'm really intrigued to see why you've why you've gone for number six but anyway at seven it's pierre gasly uh, his team years handful of races in 2017 for what was then toro rosso race for them in 2018 Promoted to Red Bull for 2019, but demoted back to Toro Rosso slash AlphaTauri midway through that season. Uh, in total, he's, he's competed in 86 uh, races with Red Bull squads. Taken victory in the 2020 Italian Grand Prix. No titles, of course. And then at number six, it's Carlos Sainz Jr., who only raced for Toro Rosso. He raced for them between 2015 and most of 2017. 56 races, no wins, no titles. Why have you got Sainz at number six? Why is Gasly at seven? So I suspect that our nature of disagreement might come down to how much the weighting of the time at Red Bull is. Because if you go based on just their time in the B team, then the Gasly argument is is very strong. Obviously, he won a race for a star, but it's not just that. He's been at a high performance level. But I think he, he so spectacularly missed the mark with 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 his chance at the A team. Uh, and yes, with all the things we've said already about being Max Verstappen's teammate uh, apply... But he he didn't get with the program. He he couldn't. I don't think he really accepted being in that role. Uh, I know he upset people in the team. And you just he he not only was he a long way off in qualifying, which you've seen in, with Albon and Perez. He also he didn't race as well as Albon did, even though he had more experience. Like he really like that. That was an enormous like he smashed it over the bar at a penalty. That in my view, and you know he's tasted that at the front. And you, I okay, he has been he has been brilliant at. Alfatori. But who's he had alongside him? He hasn't had anyone to really worry him. I mean, Tsunoda, we hope, has got some potential if he can stop driving into solid objects. Um, and I, I'm glad he's got another chance, actually, because he's a really likeable guy, right? And he, you know, But, uh, you know, who's he, been, who's he being measured against? Like, if he went and put Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton in that car the last couple of years, would they, like, 
how good is it? Maybe it's really good. Like it's really difficult to gauge where it's at. Um, whereas if you look at science, we're doing them together. Yeah, he didn't get a chance in the A team. Well, I think that's down to circumstances. I think if he's a couple of years earlier, he he predates the Verstappen situation. If he's a couple of years later, he joins now. Like he's their solution that they should have. But he was there at the wrong time. He was there at the Saint Toros at the same time as Verstappen. Out qualified him ten nine. Had a bit of bad luck in races, so Verstappen scored more points. And obviously there was the Verstappen and Science families weren't getting on great, and there was the whole yeah Verstappen put pressure on Red Bull to get him in the car, right? So he gets the Red Bull gig. Uh, Kvyat steps down, and Science completely destroys him, and is 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 a brilliant midfield performer in the way that Gasly's been, but when the midfield is further away, so he's driving. So the Chinese Grand Prix, I think it was twenty seventeen, he was seventh miles ahead of the midfield but that was the time when we had the big three and they were a lap down the road sort of thing so for me science is the guy that got has got away and gas is the guy that they don't really want even though he's performed in the b team mclaren and ferrari's gain with science uh luke am i thinking that you would have them the other way around I, yeah i would i would definitely flip them the other way around because when when i saw this list first i thought i was going to be red bull drivers like as in they've driven for red bull racing and obviously and science is the only one on this list who didn't drive for red bull racing um and i therefore i think you've just got to compare them on the AlphaTauri sort of contribution and what that what they've done and well AlphaTauri Toro Rosso and for me I mean Gasly has been I think he's just been fantastic ever since he returned to that team I think that his performances through through uh, 2020 and 21 have just been brilliant okay he's maybe not had the strongest opposition but he had a I, I think he had a pretty solid uh, teammate in uh, Kvyat through, uh, through through 2020 and he, he was a step ahead of him and I think in last year he was able to regularly take the fight to the McLarens and the Ferraris basically single-handedly he scored more than 100 points in, in the AlphaTauri which I think was a really impressive feat given it was the the fifth or sixth fastest car so I think he he's done a lot and I think yeah okay his time at Red Bull it was it was very very difficult and he didn't perform and he should have done better I mean particularly in races I think his his last race in Hungary got lapped by Verstappen which was a pretty galling thing to watch and um but again we saw him sort of like he was clearly struggling like he, his his head dropped and it was a similar thing to Kvyat where he just loses this confidence but then he got back to Toro Rosso Alfatari now and it came back and he's really, really at home there. And I think that he's been able to fit so, so nicely. And I think it's just, I think he's contributed more than science did in his stint with uh, Toro Rosso. Yeah, I, I, that's all That's all fair. I mean, I would, one of the things I was looking at is how they compared to Verstappen when they were teammates to him. Course, and obviously yeah. science did better, but then you say, well, Max was early on in his career, so it's not straight circumstances. My, I guess my question for Gasly is, or about Gasly, is uh, is he a Heinz Harald Frentzen, Giancarlo Fisichella guy who's really good in the midfield and driving a car that's a bit meh, and then they get into a top car and they're just just not really there? Uh, or is it just bad timing and if he got another chance, would he be brilliant? Uh Whereas I think we already kind of know the answer for that with science, but of course that doesn't come into it really. Yeah, I've exactly. Excluded, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've excluded McLaren and Ferrari drives uh, from it, so yeah, I, 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 I'd have science ahead of Gasly as I have had, but I think that that, uh, yeah, that's I, I can completely see it the other way around as well. On the metric of impact at Red Bull, as in the whole, both teams, everything, Red Bull and Formula One, I think Perez should be above both of them because of his contribution to winning Verstappen a title it's quantifiable do you see what I mean it's like it had a big impact but it's different from when we talk about Ferrari because as it's sort of what I was getting at before because it's a much shorter lifespan of the team and everything so that's, that's that would be my argument I'm just not convinced by his how much of a contribution he made to that title I, I guess would be my, my question to that ultimately it had an impact 
it it was it was that it's just you just look at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in isolation. Yeah, but, and it, no, but, 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 but what a big prize it was that they won at the end. Yeah, but I mean, well, we've had this debate that they, I think there is a question mark over whether he did buy enough time or not. And had it been a normal race, oh, we don't want to get too much. We don't want to go too much into this. It wasn't Perez that uh, that made the end of the race, end of the finish like that, was it? You know, there should have there there either should have been all the three, all the cars lined up, or the, the cars in between, not a half and half situation. So, I don't know. I think in twenty twenty two, if he if he's closer as we expect, I'd I'd probably move him up, um, move him up. But I, yeah, I just think he's been too off too often for me to move him move him ahead because I think Gasly and uh, Science at times during their Torosso Red Bull careers did maximise what they have, whereas I'm not sure Sergio's done that yet. Fair enough, well reasoned. Let's move on. Number <laughs> five. <laughs> Well, five drivers down, five to go. We'll take a quick pause there and want to say a quick thanks to our Autosport podcast sponsor again today. That's BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk a lot about BetterHelp because this month we've been talking stigmas and removing stigmas around mental health. So, so important, whether you're a guy or a girl listening to this. And we've talked before about how men aren't always the best at recognising their mental health, but the same can go for plenty of women as well. Whoever you are, we need to understand that therapy isn't for so-called crazy people. There's nothing wrong with you if you want to recognise that humans have emotions and we need to talk about them, not avoid them. We've been taught over the years that we can't talk about mental health. That's wrong. And we take care of our bodies with the gym, the doctor, even when we put in our mouths with our nutrition. So let's focus on our minds for a change. BetterHelp is customised online therapy. It offers video, phone and even live chat sessions with your own therapist. You haven't got to see anyone on camera if you don't want to, or you can. It's all about what you're comfortable with. Man, you know it's way more affordable than in-person therapy as well. If you want to get matched with a therapist in under 24 hours, give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. And, of course, with our sponsors, we always have a nice little discount code. No change this week. Uh, BetterHelp will give you 10% off your first month for being... An Autosport podcast listener, go to betterhelp.com slash autosports, all one word. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash autosports. Okay, let's get back to the list. Number five, it's Red Bull's original F1 star, really. It's David Coulthard, drove for the team um, when it when it came into Formula One, taken over from Jaguar between 2005 and 2008, started 71 times. No wins, no titles. That was before Red Bull became a Formula One powerhouse. Kev, why is David Coulthard at number five? Yeah, so this is all about the you know, the important the, the role of the early days. If you remember, Red Bull bought Jaguar, which was a, a, you know, a bit of a shambles, really, but had some good people there. And you know, Matchett, obviously Christian Horner, just started to rebuild a team, and, and and Coulthard was one of the first people that they brought in. And I think he would probably agree that he was past his best as just a driver, but he had worked at McLaren for nine years during a championship, you know, championship wins, championship fights against Schumacher and Ferrari and all the rest of it. He knew what a winning machine looked like. And actually, if you read his book, um, The Winning Formula, he's got some great... Like, he was quite bold with some of the things he, he did with the team. Like, that's not how you do it. Like, they, they change your front wing or something and not tell him. He's like, you, that, you, that, it's not, that's not the process. Um, and he really shook things up. He had the confidence and experience to say, this is not how you run a, a race-winning operation. Um, and I'm sure he's not the only one. There are other key figures, but the fact that he you know, he delivered their first podiums, he was there to uh, help build them up, give them that experience. And also I understand that he was quite key in them getting Vettel 
through identified that Sebastian was was a guy that they needed on side. So, and he outscored all of his teammates apart from the very last season when I think he really had, you know, he re- really had fallen off the cliff at that point and he was outscored by Mark Webber. But up to that point, he'd, I think he'd done. Exa- he was the driver that Red Bull needed at that point. Leek, happy of course at number five? Yep, totally. I think that, as you say, the contribution he made to Red Bull in making it the team that it now is and turning it into the, that sort of serial title winner in the uh, early 2010s, I think, yeah, he played a huge role in that. And uh, obviously, I think I'm right in saying for 05 that Ferrari wanted to sign him as a sort of test and reserve driver because he had so much experience and he was weighing up these offers and then saw that Red Bull, what they were building, and he thought, well, yeah, I can bring a lot to this. And he absolutely did. Like, I think he really, that was like a big marquee signing to, for Red Bull to say that we mean, we mean business and we're uh yeah ready to get stuck in and i think from yeah from day one i mean on debut for the team in australia he finished fourth as, as you write kev and it was it was already noticeable i think what he was bringing to the team so i think it's yeah very fair to put him so high up and when you're when you're in that kind of midfield occasional points scoring is so important you need someone who's got that experience who say when it rains mm. they don't just throw it in the wall mm. they're gonna they just know, right, let the race, race race come to me. You get those fourths, those sixths, those whatever, podiums if the yeah. opportunity comes up. And he was just, yeah, he was never going to be that, I've put it on, I've qualified it three rows higher than it should have been <laughs> at that point. But at that stage, they needed someone who would score them points and get respectability and give them the feedback and mileage and all the rest of it. Yeah. So I think he was, the, yeah, as I say, the... You know the right drive at the right time, really. I think it was Monaco 06, I want to say, was the first podium. And then, I mean, that's a yeah, sort of high pressure situation, and you do need to sort of like be in the right place at the right time. And uh, that's exactly what he did. And I think that resulted in Christian Horner jumping into the Red Bull uh, NG station pool wearing nothing but a Superman cape um, back when they oh, did I their, their movie crossovers. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Well, number four, it's Mark Webber, drove for Red Bull between 2007 and 2013, his last team in Formula One, 129 races. Won nine times, no titles, of course, famously missing out in 2010. Kev, why is Weber at number four and why is he ahead of Coulthard? Well, I think he's he's kind of takes the baton on from DC um, and he's involved in those successful years. And I think early on, okay, so by the end, Vettel completely adding, I mean, 2013, I think Seb won 13 races and Martin didn't win any. I mean, that, and I think should he, have won in Malaysia. He, he probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Um, well, actually, that's another reason why he's on there because he absorbed a lot of the one of the one of the few uh, flaws I think in the Red Bull makeup over the last twenty years is they are uh, they don't seem very willing to criticise their prodigy. So in those days, it was Vettel, Turkey. That was Vettel's fault every time. You can watch it a hundred times and from all the different angles. Mark Webber is driving in a straight line and Vettel moves over on him, puts them both off the road. Like even if you don't do it publicly, you go Seb. Come on, come on, lad. That's a bit rubbish. But and you could tell Mark was not happy with the way that that was dealt with and the whole multi twenty one thing as well. And they kind of take came down in like a ton of feathers, didn't they? He's like, they, their prodigies can get away with it. And Mark knew he wasn't the favoured guy, which I think probably explains why it fell away a bit. He wasn't as good as Vettel, but thirteen zero probably isn't fair either. And he played his part in, um, you know, in four constructors championships. And he was in the we're talking about Perez being out of the zone. Most years he was he was firmly in the proper number two zone, so uh, yeah, I think he the reason that he's I thought you might do three and four together is I consider Mark the best number two driver on this list, and number three I think is a driver one and a half or even really a number one, but circumstances didn't fall in his way. Um, but yeah, I think Weber's contribution to, to to Red Bull was 
like a match if you like for DC but his results are also better before we do anything else um, a ton of feathers I mean I know a ton of bricks it's the same weight it's uh, it yeah, a riddle it was... in itself but why feathers why just well because they're soft aren't they so but it's still a ton so it yeah. is yeah have you not heard this saying before my show my age have you not heard the come down in like a ton of feathers no mm. mm. okay. what's that from perhaps people that do... where's that I don't know where it's from it's just a saying it's yeah a ton a of saying. bricks no, because they didn't come down on him hard. That's my point. Oh. They didn't come down on Vettel hard enough. I was just so they distracted just by the feathers. Yeah, you've ah, thrown. Ah. thrown. So I'm sorry about that. I'll, I'll update my <laughs> metaphors and similes lists um, for a young Another audience. list that you've written. There you go. Um, okay, well, should we discuss uh, number three? And then, Luke, we can see whether you agree with, with the order. Yeah. Um, it's Daniel Ricciardo. Drove for Toro Rosso between 2012 and 2013, Red Bull 2014 to 2018, uh, raced uh, 139 times uh, across the two squads, 39 for Toro Rosso, 100, nice round figure with Red Bull, took seven wins. And he is the problem Red Bull really, Perez is getting there, but haven't been able to solve in that he's the superstar, it, you know, he was there able to to make the difference in, in, in races like Hungary 2019 where Gasly couldn't. So Kev, why is Ricardo number three? Yeah, uh, well, but he's because I think he's mega, basically, um, and I think we've seen he's actually kind of I think gone up in my estimation since he left Red Bull. Not necessarily because of what he's done at other teams, although it's great. To, it was great to see him win a, win that Monza with McLaren, but because of how they have struggled to replace him. No one's got anywhere. Like Max Verstappen is an incredible talent. I won't say once in a generation because actually I think we've got two or three who are potentially on a similar level. But yeah, he's yeah the next big thing and and. Ricardo beat him in 2017, like quite comprehensively. Okay, Max was still making silly errors and things, but even at the start of 2018, you know, it was Max that creamed it into the wall at Monaco. Ricardo wins the race with despite a power unit problem. You know, then when they had that opportunity in China, you know, it was Max that decides to try drive, drive around the outside. Lewis Hamilton in a high speed corner goes off the road. Daniel goes past, passes everyone, wins. Like he, he was showing Max how to do it, and I think that him being there and being that good probably did help make Max a better driver because you could see what the other car was doing which is something you know he doesn't have and you could say he doesn't need now um but uh yeah I think Ricardo really he's worse the reason he's only three at this is his timing you know he blew Vettel into the weeds in 2014 if he'd been around four years earlier could he have done what Vettel did in that car I think he probably could have done I think he was good enough to be a multiple world champion in that environment but he's between great Red Bull periods uh, so it's what seven seven wins, all, almost all of which were mega. Like he's he's definitely a winner of great Grand Prix. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I think he's the he's the driver that Red Bull are still trying to replace, and it's what we're into the fourth season since he left. Luke Ricardo at three, Weber at four. How do you feel about those? Uh, those no, rankings? I think that's absolutely spot on. I think that Weber, yeah, he was. I think I, I agree, probably the best number two driver that you've got on this list. And I think that I think yeah, twenty ten was when he was at his peak. And I think I'm pretty sure he said that himself. Even he's he did a very good podcast with um, Jake Humphrey, sort of talking about sort of mindset, mentality, and stuff. And he said how sort of twenty ten, yeah, he gave everything, and that was where he really peaked. And that it was, uh, but as, as you said, sort of the um, Turkey incident and stuff, it just didn't give him any confidence in the team to uh, sort, sort things out and he had their backing a bit of a what if for you so mm. remember Interlagos in 2010 because Webb was the lead Red Bull in driving the points and Vettel won mm. and they could have swapped them round and they didn't which with hindsight now looks like gen- genius move yeah. but if it, they had done that and Webber would have been further ahead would the final race have played out differently or would 
or it would have Alonso beaten them both to the championship. <laughs> I think I think they would have, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Webber's addressed this himself as well that they didn't. They could have like backed one horse and basically said, right, everything behind you to go for the title. Yeah. And the fact they didn't, yeah, did they? Yeah, lose lose that championship because they were so focused on having sort of like both of the minute on keeping Vettel sort of the 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 wonder kid, the guy they've really put us through. So, I yeah. mean, in the end, he was the he was effectively a distraction for Ferrari. It yeah, was focusing yeah. on Web yeah. on Weber that, yeah. that allowed Vettel to just. He actually drove a a, a normal race, a yeah. normal strategy yeah. for yeah. that Grand Prix, and Ferrari got their got their neckers in a twist chasing after Weber, and then they both got mired in the yeah. pack. <laughs> but anyway, but for Weber, could you not take it back further to the crashing career? Yes, yes. As, yeah, as yeah, that moment yeah. the championship really yeah. was lost. Yeah, that's what he hasn't. Even if he doesn't jumped. win that race, yeah, that's what really cost him. Yeah. No, definitely. But uh, no, I think it's I think it's a fair ranking. I think, yeah, Ricardo. I think we've seen the difficulty that they've had in replacing him. I, I think that, yeah, all of his performances uh, through that time at Red Bull were fantastic. Yeah, I think you put Ricardo in last year's car and they pretty comfortably win the Constructors' Championship, I think. Oh, I completely he, yeah, agree. He, I, I'd be interested to know if Max wins the drives, though. Interesting. Because yeah. is he close enough to... I mean, I think... In a way, it was a smart move. You can see why Ricardo left. He could see that he wasn't going to be the prodigy. The Red mm. Bull was already leaning... To, even when he was actually matching Max the, yeah. the momentum within the team was shifting yeah. Max wasn't obviously going to get any worse as a driver mm. he was like mm, I don't put, he, maybe he didn't want to be in the Mark Webber situation I'm well, not yeah. going to put myself exactly. in the Webber yeah, situation but it was like the, um, so the, the Baku accident that's where as he put in drive to survive that it, he just didn't feel the team handled it very well in terms of resolving that and uh, yeah it was quite clear to him I think the writing was on the wall so he saw a good time to go out yeah the parallels in the way that they handled Vettel Webber and mm. Verstappen Ricardo I think are yeah, maybe quite, it's an Australian quite, thing quite perhaps, perhaps. I don't know Red Bull anti-Australian <laughs> that's not no that's not a theory <laughs> no 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 I don't think that's uh, that, that theory doesn't really stand up <laughs> no but uh, no I think yeah absolutely spot on I think that I I'm I really enjoyed sort of like I mean my first few years in F1 were when Ricardo was at Red Bull and uh, I think he, he once I once made a, a jibe at him about um, the ashes when he was in a Toro Rosso media session he, he gave me the middle finger and uh, I was sort of saying oh you could be like the big Australian success story if you get the Red Bull seat because uh, yeah you lost the ashes and everything and he he uh, laughed it off quite well but he's uh, yeah he's he's been brilliant I think for I think for both teams like even even at um, Toro Rosso I mean he he I think did very very well he wasn't like a million miles ahead of John Eric Verne but he was more consistent he was a better qualifier and uh, yeah obviously their careers have gone on very different paths since so uh, yeah good ranking he, he also for me he fits what Red Bull like Red Bull were a fun team like, I think yeah. maybe you could say it's the pressure of the title farm over a bit mm. it, I think F1 was lots of things last year but it wasn't fun because there was mm-hmm. too much angst and whatever but you know Ricardo he's just always a smiley happy kind of guy you want him you want him in F1 in A team and he fitted the Red Bull we're coming in we're having a joke and a laugh but actually we're really serious as well and he kind of that's what he feels like to me yeah. a fun guy but wow he can also you know really deliver um, and I think I think Red Bull has lost something a little bit with him with him going both in and out the car he likes my surname Oh, he does like your surname. Made yeah. a point of it's saying in the press conference. Just said he wanted I mean, to he say it. He doesn't have it. to Sounds type like it, fun. does he? On into the magazine every every week. Do you have to do that? Is it not? Is it not just? No, I always end up the... typing your name for one reason or another. Yeah. When we check into hotels, I always get called Mister Smith, oh, yeah. and Alex will get called Mister Alex yeah. because <laughs> I can't say so. I don't, I don't mind that. I, well, anyway, um, uh, someone with. Well, I mean, we got very, very boring. Got very boring. So if, we, if, yeah. if, if 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 you were to Google yourself, or uh, so I, 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 I met someone at the Autosport Awards, and I, they were like, "Oh, find yourself on LinkedIn." I put in Luke Smith, and obviously, like I was like the fiftieth Luke Smith. Yeah, it's that came fifty up, million basically. options. <laughs> 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Well, um, actually, just before we come on to the top two, I think it's worth, um, um, Luke, you mentioned John Eric Vern there. Um, were there any other real contenders to making the list? John Eric Vern, Christian Klee and Tanya Liuzzi from the really early days? Not Klee and I think Vern, I think a little bit like Buemi, really, similar mm. sort of. Buemi, Alguasari, Vern, I didn't quite, and, and probably Vern and Buemi are the two that have had the best careers subsequently. So yeah, if you're doing a, a Red Bull list as opposed mm. to Red Bull F1 list, I think they would, you know, they'd be stronger candidates. So they were, yeah, they, they, he he was certainly a certainly a contender. Yeah, Jev is one of my sort of big what if moments for uh, drivers because obviously he he kind of sort of fell through the gaps a bit when uh, after Vettel announced his exit and they sort of had to quickly scramble because I think by then they'd already announced it was going to be Kvyat and Verstappen at Toro Rosso for 2015 and then they had to quickly rethink. So Jeff already knew he was out, so they couldn't really go, oh, we're going to now put you into Red Bull or what are we going to do? And he he's claimed that he was told that if Vettel were to leave, then he would have got that Red Bull seat. How true that is, obviously, we don't we don't know for sure. But it does sort of make you think, because he wasn't, he wasn't a million miles off Ricardo. Ricardo was clearly the best driver, but you do sort of wonder, like, had, he, had they gone, oh, no, we don't want to give it to Kvyat, he's not had enough time, let's put Jev, so it'd be Ricardo and Jev at Red Bull in 2015, how different things might have been, been for him. Uh, again, a big what-if question. Yeah, it just shows you sometimes it can be just a minor thing or a little bit of timing exactly. one way yeah. or the other. I, I, I think, you know, it's great that he's gone and, and, and you know, had a, you know, a champion in Formula E and whatever, so he's a you know, professional racing driver and all, that, and all that sort of stuff. The bigger what-if is that if Vettel doesn't leave, where science doesn't come into Formula 1. Yeah. And would, presumably would never have a career in Formula 1 because yo, we know Red Bull got him in let's move on to the top two and as we usually do with the cars that these podcasts that we've done these lists these rankings in the past and we did uh, last time with uh, Ferrari we'll talk about I'll, I'll, I'll announce the, the order um, before Kev you explain why they're in that particular order and this one you know it's um, would annoy people on Twitter because they would misunderstand that it's not about who's better now it's about who's been better and had a bigger impact for Red Bull. So at number two is the reigning champion, Max Verstappen. Raced for Toro Rosso all through 2015, partway through 2014 before getting promoted to Red Bull at Kvyat's expenses, as we've said. He's completed 141 races, that's 23 with Toro Rosso and 118 with Red Bull, won 20 times, and of course that incredible title last season. But the number one, Kevin, your ranking of top 10 uh, Red Bull drivers is Sebastian Vettel. Uh, race for Toro Rosso in 2007 um, and 2008, 2009 to 2014 with Red Bull. Um, that's 138 races in total, 25 Toro Rosso, 113 Red Bull. Very similar numbers to Verstappen there. 39 wins though, so uh, Vettel com- comfortably leading the way there. One, of course, famously for Toro Rosso in the Wetter Monza 2008, 38 for Red Bull and those four titles. Is that ultimately what it comes down to, the difference in, in number of titles? Sort of, yes. It's kind of all tied up into the impact with the team. And Vettel will forever be the person that was the first driver to win. Well, for he's well, he's the only driver on this to win for both Toro Rosso and Red Bull. He gave Red Bull its first win, Red Bull its first title, four consecutive championships, double championships. So, 
you know, it, uh, if I was doing a list of greatest racing drivers, I would probably already have Max ahead of Seb. I think Verstappen has already got to a point where he's better than Seb was at his peak, with one notable exception, which we'll come to in a minute. Um, so I would swap them round. But I think in terms of what they have done, their their part in the Red Bull story at the moment, Vettel. He's 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 the, the he's number one. He's the first prodigy, the first Red Bull Junior champion uh, headline act. He made Red Bull uh, not single handedly, of course, but a credible front running one of the big F one teams. And I, I actually was surprised when I was putting this together. They've you know Max Verstappen's now started more Grand Prix for Red Bull than Vettel did. 141 to 138. So mate, I, I, yeah, you think oh Max is still really young, which he is. Um, but obviously in that time he's won half as many races now of course circumstances come into it again but you can only deliver you know you can deliver what you're handed right and both of them have done that but Vettel's done it more times now in three five 15 he said didn't he you know 15 years time I mean that's nonsense right because if if the car's terrible Mercedes or Ferrari or wherever but okay it's a nice thing to say when you've just won the championship I get that so um, but yeah he, he could be yeah, I fully expect that Max will continue to deliver over the next few years, and he his numbers will get better, and he'll probably take the number one spot. But I think as it as it stands now, you know, it's it's four one on titles, and I think I think it has to be Seb, not just because it was more, but because he was first. I am in full agreement. I think that yeah, I think you would talk about Seb and Red Bull in the same way you would look at Michael Schumacher and Ferrari or Lewis Hamilton with Mercedes, just like the driver who really. Yeah, won that string of titles, has taken so many wins and really, I think, defined the success of, of that team. And I think that it will probably take a bit of time for Max to reach that kind of status. I think that, say Max wins, yeah, 22, 23 titles and sort of goes on a run of championships, then, yeah, it's another conversation. Um, and uh, and I think I would agree, yeah, he's probably, his peak is higher than Seb's was. But I think that, Seb really just he just dominated with that team and they all worked so well together and he was yeah really the, their first big star and I think that some of the performances I mean I remember Singapore 2013 when he was so comfortably ahead of the field there was a safety car it sort of like really bunched things up again and he was pulling away like two seconds a lap and it was just such a everything just works so so perfectly all together um, and I think he was uh, yeah just fantastic for the team and you mentioned being the only driver to win for both of the Red Bull teams as well and I mean that win at Monza I mean that was just a real we knew he was good, but to see that in such difficult conditions, I think it really did put him on the map. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 happy with sort of that that ranking. I think that Seb has he defined what success meant to Red Bull in the early years. So I think he's deserving of number one. And his story is complete as well. His Red Bull story mm. is complete, yeah. and and he's got that. Yeah, you know, for me, his best win probably was that first one. Uh, I think it was a remarkable. Really showed this 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 guy's going to be something, right? We know that Max already is a world champion, but I don't think we've yet seen Max's greatest Grand Prix drive. There will be a wet weather race. It might be after Lewis has retired because all the time Lewis is around, you've got two wet weather geniuses operating at the same time. But there will be a race. Yeah, Vettel won that one in an unfancy car. Lewis won the British Grand Prix by over a minute in 2008. There will be a race where Max does that and he'll just add to his story, more titles, more wins. And then, yeah, as you say, he'll move up the order. And I also hope we've, we touched upon this in the, in the top 50 in the season view, but I also hope he rounds off the rough edges. Don't want to go down this big road again, but you know, he hasn't yet shown it that race the, properly. Is that the notable exception? Yeah, that's the notable earlier. exception. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think of, you know, there's, a, there was, I think they showed it in some of their highlights packages or whatever on, on, on with the F1 stuff of, of Seb and Jensen going side by side and just giving each other room and, 
and that's just that's what I want to see. I want to see Max and Lewis or Max and Leclerc or whoever it is that comes out with a competitive card, hopefully lots of teams, and just seeing that kind of wheel-to-wheel fighting that we had with Vettel and Button and Alonso and Hamilton and Raikkonen. They were all hard but fair. Uh, and that that's the last thing, you know, knowing when to knowing when to, to quit and and come back the next time, not just commit all the time. And I think that's the thing. That's the last little bit of the of the Max puzzle, I think. Absolutely. Well, that's our podcast for today. Thank you, Kev. Thank you for the list. Thank you, Luke. And thanks everybody listening. We'll be back soon with Kev's top ten Williams F1 drivers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is it. This is the year. Enough dreaming about growing my business online. It's time to get serious about selling in my style, as big as I want to grow, because there's nothing I can't do. It's time to get Shopify and take my business to the next level. Whoa, someone's ready to take on the new year. Oh, oh, I thought I was talking to myself there. But heck yeah, 2023 is my year. That's not your average resolution. That's a revolution. It's It's a a new New year's Year's revolution. Start selling with Shopify to join the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand. From templates that make site design simple to customizations that let you grow at your pace. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. That's shopify.com slash free 22. Go to shopify.com to start your New Year's revolution today. Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.